Hey, what's up, you sexy bitches, and welcome back to this week's Weekly D. And today I have my good friend, Lisette Kroll, on with me. We talk about her whole career, and my God, has she had an amazing career. We talk a lot about her career, her life in Venezuela, and her new life in Ireland. So I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, this is the Weekly D, because honey, if you ain't getting your D on the daily, you better at least begin it once on the weekly. If you're not getting any, if you want some tea, then come and join them up on the weekly tea. Weekly, Hola, ¿cómo estás? Muy bien, ¿y tú? <laughs> Muy bien, gracias. <laughs> How are you, Lisette? <laughs> I'm very good. How are you? That was perfect Spanish, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it was so good, right? So actually, I'm going to ask you a question. You know, gra gracias or gracias? Because it's spelled Gra with a C, well, right? But is it pronounced, is it th, th? No, because, uh, well, in my country, I'm from Latin America. So we say gracias. And then people from Spain say gracias. Ah, so I was <laughs> saying it correctly before. So when I said gracias before... Okay, I thought one was wrong and one was correct. Oh, okay, so they are both technically correct. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Yay, I feel so, I feel so fluent. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on and doing this podcast with me. You are a hard lady to pin down because you're so busy. Um, but before we get into um, all of that and all of your career, because it's been an amazing career, really, and it's still going like a wildfire i want to know about where lizette started where were you born what is your pre-poll story so tell us a little bit about you well so uh i'm 37 oh god this is a good start okay so i was born in venezuela so 37 i know 37 years ago i was born in this beautiful country <laughs> in latin america Venezuela, not a lot of people know where it is, uh, kind of at the top of South America. Uh, back in the day, it was absolutely paradise. Like, you can't imagine. Totally beautiful. Like, I used to live, like, maybe one hour from an amazing beach, like, where you can just go, oh, let's just go on the weekend and bring your tent and then stay over. Like, more or less, my childhood was like that. Like, it was seriously amazing. Um, yeah, like, I went to a German school when I was younger. Because I'm half German, my daddy, my dad, well, my dad passed away, but he was German and my mom, super Venezuelan. So I grew up with like this really like different cultures, like the European, like my dad was like, like, you know, like long hair, like a hippie, play guitar, like, you know, and my mom is like totally salsa dancer, totally Latin American, like, you know, so I just got like these two crazy words together. Uh, but yeah, so um yeah venezuela is meet? very beautiful how did they met like god i actually don't know i would like to ask that but i don't think they want to share it you're kidding me <laughs> so actually there's <laughs> a, a really long story that i think a few people maybe know or maybe don't know maybe i shouldn't share it but um unfortunately like my dad had like a really kind of crazy childhood and then had to uh, move to venezuela and i'm just gonna make it sure maybe not share too much because it's a bit personal but uh yeah, he just met my mom and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, 
that's more or less. <laughs> that's how they met. That's amazing. So, and did you learn German as a language and stuff? I assume you had to because you went yeah. to German school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I wouldn't say it's amazing now, but I, since I was like six years old, I did like kindergarten. So like, it's like more or less like, you know, your star. And then in the German school, you have like two different uh, sides. You have like the Venezuelan side and the German side. So I went to the Venezuelan side, but um, you still have German actually four hours per week since like from the beginning. Okay. Of like, I don't know how you call it in, in, in Ireland, but like pre or even in UK, like preschool or something like that. Like, you know, you're already learning, mm -hmm. like, for example, dish or the, I don't know, like whatever the hunt, like, you know, the dog or whatever, they're already like giving you like words and colors and stuff like that. And you're only eight, you know, like, uh, or seven or whatever. Um, and then after that, when you're 10, they start throwing you English. Then when you're 11, they start throwing you French. So it's one of those schools that they just want you to learn lots of languages. That is amazing. And I feel like one, well, actually my career, I feel like started as sports. Uh, I was a swimmer. So I was like more or less like a professional swimmer. So I was swimming before classes four times per week. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard because I had to be in the pool like at 6.30 or sometimes 7 a.m. And then your classes are starting at 8.30. So we were very lucky that we had an amazing, amazing facilities in, in the school. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. That I feel like that's so more or less my career. Swimming for you is like your entry to sports and fitness, would you say? Yeah, and I feel like that's why my shoulders are really strong and my back is really strong. Um, and as well, I think my mom actually put me in swimming because I was asthmatic. So they always said, like, it's really good for people with breathing problems. And to be honest, I don't suffer from asthma anymore. But um, so, yeah, I think, like, that was just a really good start. So... What was it grow like growing up for you in Venezuela? Like, were you popular? I imagine, I imagine Lisette Kroll to be the popular girl at school, got on with everybody. Am I right? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, so my God. Actually, not really. No, um, to be honest, I was really into rock. Kind of, this is really weird. But uh, I used to, like, wear really black clothes and stuff like that. So, uh Really, like, I was listening to weird bands and really famous bands like Metallica, Limp Bizkit, Horn, like, all that. And I think, like, that only, that stopped, like, when I was, like, 14 or 13. Um, and then I started, like, listening as well to Britney and Christina. So my brain was all over the place, like, you know, like, all these different stages. And uh, But I don't think I was, like, the popular one. I was really normal. But I, I was... Uh, my best friends were definitely older than me. So I was always with like the older crew instead of like my, uh -huh. my the people from my class. So, so yeah, I don't, I wouldn't would call it popular. That's because, was that because you were like uh, a lot more mature, a lot at a younger age? I think so. I think like even from the start, like I was, um, I don't know if mature is the word. Like, I think I just met one of the boys. I would not be my boyfriend back then. And then he was like a little bit higher. And then I just became really good friends with this, this group. Uh, and we're actually still really good friends. That is great. Uh, well, kind of, I wouldn't say good, but like we still are in touch, you know? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. They were maybe two years older than me. So, so yeah, no problem. talk me through the, the stage where you decided that you were going to move to Ireland. What, what was the, I always, 
This is no offense, by the way, to anyone who lives in Ireland. You know, when you just think, what made you pick Ireland of all places? Like, when I think of countries, you know, you normally think of the big ones, you think of USA, you might think of, I don't know, Australia, or you think of maybe even the UK. Like, I don't know, you'd think of like the mains or big, big countries. And what, what was the connection to Ireland? Well, um, well, as I said, my dad um, moved to Ireland. Okay, so they, his his wife back then uh, speak Italian or English, so they were trying to find a place in Europe where the main language was English. So my dad applied to jobs in in UK and Ireland, and then he found an amazing job in Ireland, um, and then actually he moved, and then I just moved after. To be honest, um, when they moved, I came just to visit once. I, like I think it was 20, 22 years ago, okay? And I absolutely hated, like, I just couldn't really, uh, I don't know, it was too cold for me. Like I never owned a jacket before moving to Ireland. Like, so, no. so I actually had to buy a jacket here. Um, I think it was actually spring and I was wearing gloves, like, you know, <laughs> or something stupid in a hat and everybody's like, oh, it's really, it's really nice today. And I'm like, what's crazy? Like, you know, and even my mom, when she comes to Ireland, she still wears the gloves and it's like summer, you know, like, um, we're just not used to it, you know. Uh, but yeah, that was more or less a start. Um, well, we moved. Um, we moved because, of course, the situation of my country was just really bad. There's time to be like wars and stuff like that. And it was really dangerous. I got robbed three times with guns in my face. Three times, you know. Um, and it's really wow. scary because uh, the first time you just go, oh, my God, just you just have to give everything. There's a gun in here. And then you just go, oh, my God, like, what do I do? But I was very lucky that... Nothing really happened, okay? But even, like, there were more, like, the second time, we were four girls, okay? And there were two guys with guns. And you, you already are thinking the worst, you know, like, and, and then thank God they just needed money, and then they run away. The third time was cops, actually the guards, like, you know? They were, like, oh you know, God. robbing you as well, like, you know? So it was just getting a little bit too hard to live in there. And even loads of my friends, especially because they're, like, from like German schools or French schools, all, all like the European schools, they kind of became really good friends. So we all moved because we were lucky that parents were abroad or, or we had a bit more knowledge of as well, the language and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I ended up moving to Ireland. Uh, the first year was really hard. Um, I didn't have actually a German passport that made my life so much harder. Um, even if I was German or half German. And I just ended up having like normal jobs. Like my first job was a nanny. So uh, I was minding two kids of one year and a half and one kid of three years with Down syndrome. And I think I was getting paid seven euro per hour, cash in hand. That was a year wow. for a year. It was like, and I had to cycle to get to this place. It was like a 40 minute cycle. And when you hear that, it doesn't sound that bad. When you know you live in Ireland, it's like cycling in the rain and things like that. So it was actually really tough at the beginning. Uh, and I absolutely hated it. I was like, I hate this life. I had an amazing job in Venezuela where I was performing and stuff like that. And I just ended up having a year in Ireland that I was just like stuck in this house, minding kids. So it wasn't really exciting, but it was the beginning, you know, like I had to like think or, or I sacrifice a year and try to make money and then see what happened. Or I live in a country where it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And of course, I decided like, look, let's just see what happened. Let's give give a shot to this country. And one thing that made me stay was um, I, I met these amazing people that did canoeing, you know, kayaking. 
And, and I feel like that was my actual love for Ireland. Um, so I just, as a swimmer, I always liked sports and being mm -hmm. like in Ireland, not be able to do sports or perform. It was just like absolutely horrible. So, um, so I met these people They had this amazing canoe club. Okay. Uh, where it was actually like the amazing rivers. So I got to visit the most amazing rivers in Ireland. I went to like the West of Ireland, like you can't imagine. It was just amazing. Like, you know, and I come from a big city. So for me to be, to feel so welcome by this group and show me rivers and show me how to canoe, it was just a dream, you know? So that's why I stay in Ireland. That was the main reason why I stay in Ireland at the beginning. And you said that you were performing um, when you were in Venezuela. So tell me about that because, so you were already performing, it was Acro, wasn't it, in Venezuela you used to perform, right? Well, actually it was more like, we call it party for, it was more or less like a theater company. Um, where they were, oh. by the way, I was blonde before. <laughs> okay. So they were looking, yeah, blonde. I know. Yeah. I, I actually, me neither. I don't know how that, that, came, <laughs> that happened, but anyway, I was blonde before. Okay. So, um, this company, they were looking for, uh, girls that were blonde, okay, to do like princess characters. So I was like Cinderella and like things like that. So uh... I had to wear like these Cinderella dresses and, learn scripts okay and it was like more like parties for kids or for adults as well like they were they wanted like people just to be characters okay and learn scripts mm -hmm. and then act a little bit and to be honest at the beginning i was really bad really bad but they just train you and then i was working there for, i was 16 okay and i was working in there for like a good bit and i met these boys okay part of the theater group where they were doing acro yoga and then they were showing cool. all of us to do tricks so that way we could do tricks in the in the shows so for example if it was cool. spider-man okay so we will actually come down in like you know upselling okay as spider-man nice, or spider-woman okay. or whatever exactly and then we will do like acro tricks and stuff like that for the kids and it was actually a great job and i was That's earning really cool. a lot more than what i was earning in ireland for sure like you know like a lot more wow but then it's yeah. it's the whole like compromise between money and safety, I assume, at this point, because it was like, exactly. yes, you're being paid good money. So, but you, am I correct in thinking you had uh, an acro partner in the Ireland who was a guy? Or yeah, I had actually Venezuela? two. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately he moved, okay. Um, actually, I was talking to him a week ago because I still have, like he was, um, we, we, okay, so I start again. So when, after a year, okay, I met this guy, Venezuelan guy, okay, where he was performing in a club called Spirit, okay? He, this club doesn't, doesn't really exist as Spirit. It's called the Academy in Ireland now, okay? And they used to have loads of shows, you know, like, and it was like the most amazing DJs used to come. It's like a massive club in Ireland. It's in Dublin. Um, so they were looking for go-go dancers, okay? And then I just apply as a go-go dancer. And I said, by the way, I do acro too, so I can show you some tricks, okay? So this guy and me, we start training together. And he's, by the way, gay. <laughs> we start training yeah. together, okay? And then, I don't know what I have to say that, but like, well, I mean, I don't know why you have to say that because I think literally every man that's in your life except for your future husband, Neil, is gay. Am I correct? Correct. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, and actually, then one after as well was gay. <laughs> so, anyway, we we start training together, and we just to be honest, it wasn't really like hard acro. It was like really simple tricks, okay? But they did the job because you do go go dancing, and suddenly you do like a shape, and then people were ah, lovely, like you know, amazing. And 
So that I felt like that was like the start, okay, of my career in Ireland in a way. And then one of the drag queens, okay, saw us, okay. Um, so or I think, sorry, I think he was already friend of someone. Anyway, and then he was already working in the gay scene. And then I, he, he, he said to me like, oh, you want to dance in here? I was like, oh yeah, of course. Like whatever, wherever we go, we go together. It's going to be loads of fun. So uh, yeah, we end up like uh, kind of go-go dancing for the drag queens. It was like this uh, club called, by the way, called The Dragon that doesn't exist anymore. And then we end up as well dancing in the George, that is one of the famous clubs in in Ireland. And we just became really good friends with the drag queens. They're lovely. They're seriously like I prefer big time to go go dance in the gay scene than in the straight scene big time. Of like, course, you know? yeah, yeah. It must be so much more fun. I actually need to ask you about this because so it was through the drag queens that you started working so much on the gay scene because I've noticed you do a lot of work, like the George book you all the time to perform at mm. their like shows and stuff. So where, who is your, like, do you have like a contact there that has kind of made you part of the family there? Because they always book you at that, that massive gay club, don't they? Yeah. So, uh, well, there's a few. Okay. So Victoria's Secret, that's, that's her drag queen name. Okay. Uh, I feel like she was my first. <laughs> okay. And, Amazing. Well, she, Yes, I don't. I think she. I don't know if she has a regular time now. I think maybe she's on Fridays or something like that. Then we have Davina on Thursdays, and then Veda on Wednesdays. Okay, so uh, Veda, Veda and Terry actually lost their their kind of show. Uh, they run like strictly come pole dancing, so they just pick like four or five uh, professional dancers. So usually it's like Terry, me, Sarah, Marcin, maybe uh, and Lena. Okay, mainly it's like the five of us or whatever. And then the drag queens as well do like some some tricks on the in the pole and stuff like that. And, but mainly it was Victoria. Victoria was like, you know, we used to perform maybe three times per week with her. So like in different right. clubs, okay, or even in like corporate events. And we used to be like or backing dancers. So now I don't do even now I have a show with her like in a month. And and now as a pole dancer, I have a pole show. So two post shows and I always pick like songs like that the gay scene would really appreciate. So it's not about the set crawl, dubstep of the warrior or whatever. No, it would be yeah. like Whitney Houston, Celine Dion. I or... know, yeah, I've, I've seen. Every time I see it, I'm like, this girl knows her audience. She knows what the yeah. gays want. Like no, the, the big, and... the big like crescendo of the song will come on and you'll do a big move. The gays will go wild. Those videos make me live when I see them on your stories. But you know what? <laughs> I have to say, why would I, why would I do another song? Like, I mean, I feel like this is an amazing opportunity. I actually love Whitney Houston. I love Celine Dion. I love this big song. Every time they come up, I'm like, I know them, you know, like, and, Doing that probably in, the, in our world, it would be a little bit like cliche or like, unless it's like post theater or something like that. Like, but it just doesn't sound right for me to do it in the posting, but it sounds amazing to do it in the gay scene. It's like, yes, this is the time so I can do these songs and why not to take advantage, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. So tell me the timeline of when, so you, the, the main thing really, let's, um, let's talk about the fact that you are, uh, multiple world champion you and terry have done doubles and won world championships many times where did you and terry meet and how did that relationship form and how did you become world champions together can you talk tell us about that journey yeah 
so so we met in gay pride <laughs> so she was performing a pole show okay? stop and appropriating performing... our culture <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm the gayest straight person straight in the world. Person. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. so uh, we met of course in gay pride okay um and then she was in a pole show i was like dancing with the with the drag queens i choreographed a crazy routine for the for the drag queens i remember we used to have like so the drag queen used to have this massive skirt and then we put <laughs> these like strings under her we actually we came out from her skirt and then we have these strings and then these little plastic things and there's you know lady gaga's on telephone so we were like telephone with <laughs> it was actually totally crazy but that's it that's that world you know the more crazy and the more fun the better loads of colors we were doing acro as well it was all over the place but like anyway it was really fun <laughs> terry and me we met okay and then instantly we just start talking and we said oh my god let's train together i can i can show you uh, acro and you can show me pole and stuff like that and i think we just start training uh, of course she had already a studio so we went to her studio she showed me some tricks i started doing her classes and it was going really well and then we said like oh my god they are oh yeah sorry we we competed at the at the all Ireland's the first i think it was called the all Ireland. no it was called something else okay anyway something irish something irish pole championship okay we actually made second <laughs> so we didn't even ah. win on our first one okay uh, and we were doing like double handspring i think she was hanging from my allegra but i didn't have an extended allegra um but uh, i don't remember oh yeah i think i was holding in a seat you know we did like loads of tricks okay but uh we were just starting and then, then we saw the world championships okay uh, the ipsf and then i told terry like oh my god why don't we apply for this like if we don't win it's fine like we, we the last thing that we were thinking was winning we just wanted to take part of it uh, and i remember we didn't have money at all okay uh, and i'm gonna be serious i think terry definitely remembers this i remember everything about this first championship we were doing one year i was doing pole for one year and a bit okay um she was already with the studio and stuff like that we had like probably between both of us less than 500 euros a lot less okay so um so for someone to go for two people for 500 euros you have and you need accommodation you need this it's not it's not that much money you know so feet work of course in our, our costumes um we were wearing loads of tan that was not allowed by the way no one can take this price away from us anyway but like we were wearing loads of tan okay um anyway we enough having like you know the routine ready to go we went to to the ip to ipsf we we performed on the friday and i remember ben decade was there and ben decade said like guys you did really well you know we didn't know ben decade back then i think we met you in ipsf as well yeah i'm 99 percent sure we met there as well on your first one yeah 2013 long time ago okay um so we did the friday rehearsals we did the saturday uh, and then we we got to the finals and we were like oh my god this is amazing like you know where are the finals last thing we were thinking is like we were going to win the world so okay so we performed the last one and um, i mean the the sunday there were 10 10 uh, doubles and then we were watching everybody we were so amazed about everybody we were like little kids just watching like oh my god everybody's amazing and we of course watched soloist that was when as well Olga Trifonova just Trifonova. just came and did these crazy tricks and all the kids and we were like everybody was just watching like you know anyway so they it was really funny because we thought like the South Africans are gonna win 
then the Argentinians are going to be second. Then we were already counting who were going to be first, second, and third. Okay. And then they call this third and second, and we're like, they're ready to like watch who's going to be the first. And then they call our names. And then I remember I just start crying, like, is that us? Is that us? Oh my God, it's us. Like, ah, oh! like, you know. And then, <sighs> yeah, it was amazing. Like, we became world champions. And I remember arriving back home, and everybody was like with banners, oh my God, you know, like, so it was so cool. Such a, I think yeah. that's a, best world championship experience ever i remember i don't know whether you remember this because obviously back then do you remember like lots of us were still trying to navigate what ipsf was how the scoring system worked mm-hmm. how the code of points stuff i mean now you've got coaches who will literally coach you on it but back then they didn't really have that yeah. it was quite small back then and then so and then you won it you won it again did you win it twice the ipsf three times well, IPSF, Three sorry, times. IPSF, we, IPSF, we won the first year, then the second year after, sorry, the year after 2014, we made second, and um, Belen and Joaquin won, that I was so happy about them, um, they're just amazing, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, if you want to see a new amazing routine, Belen, Sarah, just won Polar Italy, you need to watch Polar, that, I, I continue, she's okay. amazing, it's so amazing, she's well, just actually, amazing, I have to, hold on, and I have to tell me, you a funny story about I have to tell you a funny story about Belen because so I messaged Belen. I was like, oh my God, you are like, I just love what you're doing. I was like, I want to invite you to come and teach in my pole camp. She's like, oh, okay, that'd be amazing. I was like, cool. I was like, so what airport do I need to look at your flight? She told me the airport and I was like, I've never heard of that part of Spain before. Let me just look it up. She was like, Dan, I'm, I'm not in Spain. I was like, what? And she was like, I'm in She's South in America. I was like, what i was like oh fuck so it was really embarrassing because i was like i'm so sorry like i didn't realize you were so far away i thought she was in spain so i thought i'll be able to get her there really easy <laughs> i was like there's no way i can get you from south america it's so far getting people here as well from south america is so hard because the visa situation also but i was so sad i was like oh i thought you were in spain but yeah so i love her you know She's what i feel so like so creative and there's so many and i actually really would love to have this as a project for next year but uh, there's so many amazing south, uh, south american pole dancers okay that it would be so amazing to just give them the opportunity to uh to teach in, in europe because not only they're creative mm. they're seriously amazing teachers i had an amazing opportunity to go to argentina mexico to judge and every time i go there i t- I, I try to train with them and and just even hang out with them and it's it's, it's just so inspiring, like, and mm. of course, these the European crowd that wouldn't know them, or if they know them, they don't know that they that there's that they can come in here. And to be honest, the, the the flights are not that expensive if you really book them in advance, or if you have at least a few people. For example, if you want to buy mm. Belen, I'd be very happy to have her in my studio too. So like sharing things, I but it would be great, great, great to have to give them that opportunity, you know, so. I think, yeah, I I totally agree with you, actually. I actually feel like it would be really cool to kind of organise a camp with, like like you said, all of the South American pole dancers. I think that the reason why it doesn't happen so often is because they find it very hard to get visas for Europe. South Mm -hmm. America, they struggle with being turned away. Um, So it's not as easy as coming from other countries. That's one thing I've always noticed. I've noticed whenever it's South America, there's always issues when it comes to visas. They find it super hard to get the visas to come here. So it's never just really the the flight. The flight is normally the easiest part to book. It's trying to get the visas and all those things sorted, which is super sad. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I would love to go and do like a, a little mini tour of South, South America to just go and see all these studios. Yes. Is that where Felipe Mendoza is? Yeah. Yes, I was just about to say Chile. there's people like Felipe, there's Cabo Arro, Gabriela, that she's amazing. There's Belen. Mm. Actually, there's a lot of Venezuelan pole dancers. And to be honest, they're actually based in Europe now because they all left as well. Um, actually, in UK, there's an amazing one, okay, that is, is competing now in a UK championship. Um, there's there's loads of, like, amazing South American, but Who is I that? think, like, Argentina has such an amazing level. Sorry? Is the UK one, is that George? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, his boyfriend. No, yeah. Yeah, his boyfriend lives here. But is that how you pronounce his name? Because it's spelled with a Y, but it's, you say George, right? No. Wait, but wait, I'm going to just, uh, I have to double check ah. where oh, I have no internet. I keep forgetting what his actual name is because there's so many of them. No, Jorge. Well, but there's another stop one. Stop it. No, is it not? I've been calling him George this whole time. Stop it. I'm sure he has responded <laughs> to George. Because it's spelled Y-O-R-G-E or some of this. And I thought, well, it's not going to be your. Is it not Kijen? No, but yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm going to have to double check and ask now. <laughs> but why are, so why are the South Americans so freaking insane? Like when you think of like people like Jorge, George, I'm not sure what his name is, you know, think Gabareo, Belen, why are they so, they're like next level good, how? But you know what, you say that the same and you have people in Europe that are next level as well, like, you know, I think Who, every name, every name country some. has like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know, for example, Bendike is just like, like she's just good at everything. <laughs> like there's a, a lot of people, like especially the Italian, you know, for example, the Italians right now, I feel like they have a really good level. Every time I teach in Italy, I always teach really hard tricks. Mm. Um, and I think as well, for example, in Argentina, they have an amazing federation. And you know what I find it that, for example, we don't have this in Ireland that I wish we did, like, you know, because to be honest, we're really bad at championships. We don't even have we only have two or something like that. And we have no federation or anything, but they have a lot of uh, owners that they will do championships and that will coach people as well. Now, like, for example, Belen. Belen goes to a championship and she has uh, a coach. She has a nutritionist. She has, like, you know, all these little things, okay? If I go to championship, I was like, can someone please? <laughs> I mean, I'd be very happy if someone can take care of at least my classes. <laughs> you know, and I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> So at least I, I have some friends. Yeah, but this is the difference, I think, is that when, yeah, especially for people like Belen, who are, it was like world champion level. This is the difference that, you know, this is the reason. I bet you any money if back in the day when I was younger, if I had a nutritionist and I had a coach and I had all these things, like you said, I was just happy if I could get some cover for my classes so I could freaking train. That yeah. was like a win for me. Hey, so sorry to interrupt your podcast. I just wanted to hop on really quickly and just tell you about one of our new sponsors for this week's podcast. And it is Hustler Heels. Look at these. If you are watching on YouTube or you've got Spotify and you can see the video, look how gorgeous these amazing heels are. Hustler Heels are a very new brand. And if you know Grip and Glow, it's owned by the same person. So you know you're going to get good quality and you're going to get a really good customer service. But how cute are these heels? Like, I've not seen heels that look like this. The detail on them is amazing. 
the back with the lace and stuff. It's just so pretty. So I definitely recommend you just go and check out Hustler Heels. You can check them out on hustlerheels.co.uk. They've got lots of different designs and they're coming out with lots of new ones too. So definitely a brand you need to check out. And with all these amazing heel brands that we have now, we're just going to see the quality getting better and better. And that's so evident in these heels because the quality of them is just amazing. It's literally perfect. It's just so beautiful. Like the detailing on these is just gorgeous. So if you haven't already, get on your phone, go onto the internet, go and check out hustaheels.co.uk. Let's get back to the episode. What do you think about the pole industry now as it is? Like, what do you think of it as opposed to when you first started? Oh, um, yeah, definitely changed. But I don't know if I will say, because a lot of people say always negative things. So I think definitely changed, especially after COVID. Okay, so there's a new generation of uh, people that are more known. And I can only guess it's because uh, Instagram got more famous or, or TikTok or all these. So, of course, when we started, like, if we were looking at something, it would be YouTube or Facebook or and Facebook was really new. Uh, we didn't have access to all these songs that are kind of popular or anything like that. So I have a, I have a feeling that, of course, Instagram and TikTok just changed a lot of that. Uh, I even feel like even in workshops, people back then were a bit more present, okay, in the way of, like, for example, I remember one, one time, I, remember, I won't say web school, but I was teaching a workshop, and I could still feel like people were on their phones. They were just filming me, but at the same time, like, they were just look at, I think everything was a bit more present back in the day. Uh-huh. Like there were less people on their phones. Like I remember having so many conversations with people um, and then Instagram start blowing. Okay. And it's almost like, do you mind putting your phone down so we can have this conversation? Or do you want to just put your phone in airplane mode just so what we can train together? Like, you know, I feel like it yeah. changed in that way. And I, I even I, feel I, like even people, if people yeah. that are like very well known, they don't need to be uh, you know, world champions or champions or anything like that. They just need to be very good at their social media, you know? Um, yes. I mean. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot about that anyway. I talk a lot about how social media has really changed the game. And back in the day when you and me used to do workshops, when we first started teaching them, we only did it because we were winning competitions. It was never because of social media, because social media just meant nothing back then. So nowadays you can create a name and a brand for yourself and an income, really, if you wanted to online, just by being good on Instagram. I think the only thing I would say as well, actually, one thing that you mentioned was workshops. Yeah, you're totally right. My my p- lesson plans back in the day were so much different in the sense that it would have been okay to have taught a class where people didn't necessarily get everything, like, but they'd have stuff to take away and learn. But now we live in this, I don't know if you agree with this, we, we live in this like fast kind of like people need the trick now they want a photo of it now and they want to have it on instagram by the evening do you know what i mean so if you teach a whole workshop and people don't get at least one thing they leave so disappointed but there was days when i did workshops back in the day with janine butterfly i didn't think i got anything but i took it away and i worked on it we just don't do that anymore what's your thoughts on that yeah yeah you know like even when i when i do my workshops i mean i still for example, I have a workshop that is uh, deadlifts or, okay, so it's contour your deadlifts or lifts, okay? And I know that not everybody's going to get it. So I designed that workshop that there's, that people can take like drills and how to train it. And as well, like 
easier things. So it took me a while to design workshops because I, as you said, I don't want people to, oh, I didn't get anything in the class. Okay. And I was like, I would as well probably feel like, you know, not great if I didn't get anything in the class. But as you said, like, I remember doing like Marion Kram's Rainbow Marchenko class. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh God, this is, and even Martin was doing the class that he's definitely not going to do. But like, we were very happy to be there because, uh, we just wanted to know how you do it, you know, like even if you don't succeed at it, you know, and we were mm. very happy about it. We were like this. And I remember Marion Cram, she was teaching my student. She said like, guys, no phones. Okay. I wanted to be present. And I remember I was so present. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I forgot that the phone existed. I forgot that I had to take videos. I actually don't think I have videos of my, of me on that workshop, but I seriously remember everything. Like I still remember everything that she said in here because I was seriously like listening like a little kid, like, you know, yeah, I feel like things change. And as you said, when I prepare my workshops, uh, I always have to prepare things that I know they will get and give a little bit of challenge at the end and things like that. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I like about Marion. She's quite, she's a bit of an old soul, isn't she? I does not surprise mm -hmm. me at all that she told everyone to put their phones away. And it's, and I love that. I would, I would love to do that, but you know what it is? I just feel like, when I teach workshops, I just want to people please, which of course is always the way it is. And I just want people to have fun and be happy. And if it means taking photos on their phone, then of course do it. I mean, one of my, one of my workshops is called Picture Perfect, where people have to take pictures because it's all photo poses. So it's basically things that you can do for photo shoots is what the, the workshop's for. And, um, so yeah, so for that one, obviously you need your phone out, but you know, I understand what you mean. Like I hate that, like, you know, when people are just stood around the room, they're all just recording you teaching move, but they're not really engaging with you or asking questions because they're just looking at their phone and recording you, just like record, record. And the funniest mm. part I find about that is that, and I don't know about you, but 90% of the time, I don't ever look back at those videos. So I just stop doing ah. it. In workshops, I just stop bothering. I just thought, I'm not going to record. I never look back at it, ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like, you know, I actually have done... Lots of my friends, um, how do you call it? Uh, because especially on camps, okay, I always try like to use the moment that I'm going away for camps, okay, and do my friends' workshop because it's such an amazing opportunity to be a student. Yeah. Um, and then I never actually video uh, the instructor. Like I think, not, nothing but And I actually, even in my workshop, I always tell them like, you're more than welcome to video me. Just don't put them on Instagram. I, I actually seriously don't have a problem, problem with that. But I just personally wouldn't do it uh, because I'm really, really happy to have the experience of being in their class and take everything and even like spotting people I will help or, you know what, even having the opportunity to be, to be spotted, I, I'll be super grateful because I don't have that opportunity all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I think like being a, like record or if I record, I will record myself like doing the trick. So I remember what I did. Okay. But right. yeah. Yeah. No, I agree <laughs> with you. I feel like I'm the same. So I want to move the conversation on to um, like present day, kind of like nowadays. So what's, you're getting married soon. And obviously I know that because I'm coming and I cannot wait. I'm <laughs> so excited. Um, but what is like, so what's the plan for you? I always like to ask this question of like, what's your five or 10 year plan? Like, where do you see Lizette in like the future? Like, where do you see yourself going? What, what, what are you thinking? Well, there's, there's a lot that I want to do. And I feel like I, I knew that this question was going to come. And actually yesterday I was thinking, I know that he's going to ask me something like this. And what am I going to answer? Because there's so many things. Okay. And I feel like 
COVID only stopped like two years ago and I'm just trying to, to, you know, go, go to where I wanted to be like before COVID. Um, and even before that, I had so many problems with passports and things like that. And now I feel like this is amazing. I have everything I wanted. And now I feel like I can start going a little bit higher, you know? And that doesn't mean like winning world championships, just, just even living the life. Like even now, for example, I'm so happy, of course, I'm getting married, so I cannot be more happy than that. My, my studio survived COVID, so I'm super happy and we're still doing, we're still going strong. So I'm very happy with that. We bought a house, we have a dog. So I can't believe like all this just happened. And now I'm like, wow, this is all I really wanted before. And now I have it. And now where do I go? <laughs> you know, so you kind of like got all these goals that you actually managed to get. So it's great. And, and of course, things that Neil, of course, wants kids. Okay. So like we said, definitely we want to have kids. Um, so we said after the wedding, but the only thing that happens, like I still want to have a career and I, and, and this is so hard because I got everything that I have, but now I'm stuck in this place where great. Now I can take advantage that I have all these and maybe I can put more, more time in my career that I didn't have before and, and, and kind of use all these things that I have now, like, like, um, like a passport that I can travel or that I can compete wherever I want or, but at the same time now I'm in that time of my life where I should be thinking about family. So I'm pretty stuck now. <laughs> like, you know, but do you, though? I mean, you're still quite young. I mean, I don't know what the, the time scale is for like having kids, but do, I mean, does it need to be now? Or can it be like, could you, could you do it in 10 years time if you wanted to, or would it be too late? I don't know how that works. No, I definitely, I don't think I would like to wait that long. Okay. Because uh, I really excited about having kids in fairness, like, you know, when, uh, but I do have a few contracts, okay, in like theater plays and things like that that I really want to do. Maybe we're going to go to New York this summer. Unfortunately, it got moved to uh, March. So I wanted to do that one and then get pregnant. So now I'm going to have to wait a little bit or maybe not, you know, like things happen as well. You just never know. So I feel like I, I wouldn't like to wait more than, than, than now. Like, I mean, maybe like a few months and that's it. Like, you know, because I still want to be a young mom and, I'm very inspired about all these pole dancers around the world that got pregnant and they are, they're like having the kids and they're still doing pole. And I want to be one of those as well. Like, so um, I think it's very inspiring as well. Yeah, um, I think. So yeah, but, but it's a little bit scary. I'm not going to say that that is not, you know. But having a baby now, I, I find like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's stopping anything it only puts it on hold for a very small period of time it seems like look at Bendy Kay like she bounced back so quick I mean Sarah mm. Scott as well like I don't think she's doing as much as she was but she's definitely back doing a lot and I just saw that Michelle I think, yeah, I think well. you're... she's still doing a lot and I, it's really impressive actually it's really impressive and don't get me wrong when I say this it's like it's but I know because I, I have like conversation now, now with them I mean with some of them, okay? And it's not as easy as um, they make them look, you know? And, and it is a little mm. bit scary. Not not that I don't want to do it, okay? But it is a little bit scary because things does, does change, you know? Like, like you do have to sacrifice some stuff, like, you know, and, and it's not like, like you have to put everything on hold, but you do sacrifice things and other things are priority, you know, like maybe some part of your training is not going to happen the way you want it because you need to, go and take care of your kids. So it does change. Like, and it's not easy. For sure. And they make yeah. it look so easy, but it's not like, you know, I always, I always think like in a way, I'm so lucky that I can't actually give birth to children because 
I'm one of the very few pole dancers that doesn't get affected by that. Like, even if I wanted to have kids, I could adopt kids. And it wouldn't stop me from necessarily being physical. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I always think, God, that's actually, I'm very lucky in that sense. Because obviously most pole dancers, if they have a baby, they've kind of got that minimum period where they have to be out of action. And then they've got to get back into it again. And it's freaking hard. Like, I mean, I just... I take my hat off. I mean, Annie Norris, I feel, has been very open mm. about her journey and the struggle that she yeah. had. And some have, like, bigger struggles than others. And I think it's important saying that because anyone who's listening to this is like, oh, I didn't bounce back. Like, absolutely don't worry. Yeah, because exactly. It's like a lot, a lot of professional pole dancers have bounced back, but also a lot of professional pole dancers didn't bounce back so quickly either. So it's, but sometimes we don't always see those. We just see the Bendy Cates or, you know, the Michelle Shimmies and we think, oh my God, like that's crazy. They're doing this so quickly. But yeah, I, I follow like, like you do people like Annie, who was really honest about her journey. Mm. And I really, I, yeah, I read Annie as so well. And, yeah. I read yeah. actually Annie as well and, and a few other people like, you know, when, and it's it, that's why I feel like, I mean, as I said, it's scary, but not in a really bad way because I feel like Annie's so inspirational, not only to share that with the world, okay, to to now see, like even I watch her videos now and I'm like, every time I, she comes to my feed, I'm like, like, you know, I'm just so happy. She's still doing pole and she looks absolutely amazing. And I think she won a competition earlier then. I was even so much more happy about her, like, you know, so it's it's amazing, but you know, like Neil and me, we had this conversation, like how amazing is that you can make a human being out of your body? It's just feel like, to me, it's, it's like nuts. a miracle. Like, you know, it's like, it's insane. It's like, you know, and, and then it is as well. It needs a lot of sacrifice. Okay. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah. As someone just arrived. Sorry, someone just arrived. Sorry. It's okay, yeah. don't worry. No, but it's, it's okay, fine. it's gone. <laughs> okay, no, don't worry. Yeah, no, it's um, okay. Yeah, I think it's just like such a crazy thought to really even think that, like you said, a human person can be created inside a body. I mean, do you ever think about like, you know, and this is kind of a deep question, like, do you ever think about the future and where pole plays a part in it? Like, do you think you'll always do it? Or do you think you would like to at one point have a time where you don't do pole, maybe you go to another career or something else. Do you ever think, or like maybe just be a stay at home mum type situation? Like, have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I did. And then definitely I would like to do pole forever. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I feel, sure. I feel love it so much. Um, maybe this, this could change in a few years, but for now, I want, I want to do pole forever. Like, you know, and I still wake up and I'm so excited to go to the studio and train or try to train or see people or, like I still teach so many classes and I don't, I don't get really bored teaching classes because uh, there's always something new when this happens. Uh, I'm being very lucky that my energy level is still really high and uh, mm -hmm. that I can teach loads of classes and I still can train. And, and I think like that just comes with years of experience. So no, I'm very lucky. And I feel like people forget that because I have a lot of conversation with not only pole dancers, with aerialists as well. And then our community is really open with teachers, with um, with uh, people that want to perform and people that are performing and teaching at the same time. We're very open with that. I feel like the aerial world is a little bit different than us. And then even sometimes, like, they just tell me, like, oh, he said, how can you do that? You teach, like, like 15 classes per week plus privates, running the business, and then you train as well, and then you want to do this performance. And I'm like, well, you know, like, I'm pretty lucky with having the job that I have. So why not? Oh yeah, you know, um, I just prefer to perform only because I need to save my energy for performing. Well, you have, 
you can you can uh, you can actually uh, do that that's great i cannot afford that like you know i i want to have a house so i need to pay for my house i need to pay for the for the place where i train so i need to pay for the rent i need to do this you know so some people have that opportunity to be able to be just the performers that's great that's uh -huh. not me unfortunately but fortunately too like you know i'm i i feel like i got in my mind like i have to say i'm pretty lucky to, to be in this world right now and have mm. and do and have all this, you know. You're just lucky that your body is able to actually keep up with that amount of work. Like like they said, like they mm -hmm. can only perform because they need their body to be able to, you know, perform. But you can still perform and teach and teach workshops and stuff. I uh, when we we've talked about it for years. I mean, even since I first met you, I was like, how the hell do you do so many hours of classes and mm -hmm. stuff and privates and it's crazy, really. I mean. Do you, what's your body like in terms of getting injured and stuff? Like, is it pretty like injury well, prone or not at all? No, to be well, I do have to be honest. I have loads of old injuries for being stupid more than anything. So, like, I have, for example, like an old like ACL. Well, actually, not stupid. That actually was like an accident, of course. Like, my ACL is gone and my meniscus on my left knee, and I haven't repaired it, and it's been like that for the last. God, I don't know, eight years maybe. And I'm really good with conditioning. So I'm very lucky that like, I, I actually remember when that happened a year after I was feeling really down about it because I couldn't do things like flips or I was really scared of trying new things or hanging on my left knee or things like that. So, um, so I ended up like joining the gym and I remember I couldn't even do lunges. I was like really annoyed about this. Okay. And, and then I met like the personal trainer that I have now and that really helped me like today Sexy I went to the gym cold. and I squat 100 kilos. Like, you know, that is crazy. Like, you know, absolutely crazy. Not only like the fact that my body can do that and my body can do that with this injury, but it took me mm. so many years to, to get my legs so strong that I can still work really amazing with them. Like, you know, uh, and I'm now, for example, in my classes, there's two, three classes per week, so mainly two slash three that I keep forever. And I actually teach those classes because I want to do the classes that are like active flexi legs and backbends. And the reason why I do them is because the warm up is so long. It's like 40 minutes warm up and always make me feel so good to do the warm up. And it's not a warm up that you go jumping jacks. It's like a really slow warm up. And then you uh, use your body not only like to stretch like and breathe, it's like very active. So every time I do that class, I feel great. Every time I don't do that class, I feel crap, like simple. My body just knows you need to have these type of stretches in your life weekly. So it should be like, it shouldn't be like, I have to do it. It should be part of your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah, that yeah. really helped me with things. Okay. The same with my classes, my classes and the same, uh, uh, the warm up is choreographed and the conditioning is choreographed. So my students probably do this every week, but like, and me too. So it makes me do the warm up all times. So I will never teach a class without a warm up. And it's choreographed. I have no choice. Like, you know, even yeah. if I'm tired, I'm doing the warm up. I have to because my students have to follow me. So, like, I think, like, made, having all these, like, things in, in my classes really helped me to be, to keep my body in shape. Not only in shape, because shape doesn't mean that you have to have a six pack, you know, like, to make sure that you warm up before doing pole, like, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. So many people don't warm up enough before they do power. Actually, I think feel like that's why a lot of people get injured so easily is because they just don't warm up properly. And I only realised that really when I got older that I was like, if you don't warm up, your body's just 
fuck it, everything hurts. Like, I can do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when someone says, oh, can you do a handspring? I'm like, well, I mean, I could, yeah. So I could do one now and I, and I would do it. But sometimes I'll come down and be like, oh, God, that really aches because I've just not warmed up for it. But I wanted to, because we're coming this to the end, I wanted to go over this because I feel like it's a really important question to ask. You know, we've talked about a lot of the amazing things that have happened in your career, the amazing life you've had, and it's been, I mean, we've not even covered really half of it. But I want to know about bad times in your life and things that you learn from. And I want to talk about COVID and how you got on during the COVID period, because like you said, it was touch and go of whether your studio would have survived and you managed to get it through. Mm. How was that experience for you and how did you get through it? Oh, this was seriously amazing and not amazing at the same time. So I was, I remember, and I'm sure you got this as well, like when, when that hit, okay, that we just didn't know what to do. The first thing I was thinking, oh my God, I have to close my studio. We don't know, maybe for a, for a little bit. So we didn't know how long. And then I was just thinking the rent of my studio, first my studio, as, as you know, it's massive. I won't it's say huge. the rent, how much it is, because it's it's a lot of money. It's in Dublin city center. And you don't think one about the rent only, it's like rent. <laughs> one million, yeah, that's exactly, sorry. That's exactly what it is, one million. <laughs> so uh, I was just, that's the first thing I was thinking, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose this, you know? And, and not only you need to think about that, like you need to think about refunding people as well, because we are not teaching classes and not everybody mm. has internet at home. So there was a lot of that. We refund, we refund money. We actually had canceled a, a camp that I'm doing now, but thank God it got sold, sold out straight away. But back then as well, it was sold out. We had to refund a lot of money. And I was just thinking, okay, what do I do? And I remember I was telling Neil, like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to start with Zoom, like everybody's doing it. So then I, I set up all this, like, like I'm sure you did as well. I was teaching maybe eight classes per week from my house. From my living room with with mac kind of getting into the front of the class i know because like, i took some of the classes it was, <laughs> yeah it was amazing like you know um i remember one flexibility class had 120 people and it was all my students like you know and students from around the world as well so it was amazing but what it got me very depressed is like all this money that i was getting i had to pay still the rent with that money like you know so i was getting making all this money and yes i could have if i didn't have tribe like it would be crazy but god i was just teaching from my living room and then i still had to pay a rent of a place that i cannot go because we were not allowed to go more than 5k from our house and my studio is like 50 minutes from my house so it was very depressing to to, to do that you know um did you get and any yeah, like, help from I the think like we got like one month free wow. that's all that it Wow, yeah, that's crazy. That's all. And then actually, uh, like, that was just like, and a little bit, I think we had like a little bit of help, but like ridiculous. Like, you know, it, was, it wasn't, to be honest, Tribe survived because of that. And I, the, the TV program that I won on in Ireland, you know, so the prize was 50,000 euros. And yes. then half of that money went to the studio. So uh, I was oh. very happy with that because I was like, I always say like, it was like karma, you know, like, I did all this great job and then it just came back, you know, like, and yeah, I feel like that was a really hard time of my life and not be able to travel because of my passport. That was horrible. I was like, I don't want to cancel more, cl- more people or say no to people or get stuck in the country or like, I just is they want to see people or, or have the opportunity to, to meet others or, so I Can feel you- like those two were, 
Can you just explain that situation? Because um, people are probably hearing you talking about your passport and they're like, what the hell is she talking about? So can you explain the passport situation just so people are like, what's that? Yeah, so when you are Venezuelan, okay, so you're non-European and Ireland, you need like visas, okay? So you need permission to stay in Ireland. Um, And well, so that's not a problem. You can apply for a visa like uh, all the time. But in my country, it's very hard to get passports. Like they don't print passports. Like if you lose your passport or your passport is full, okay, it could take you five years to get a passport. Okay, so to be honest, I applied with my I applied for my passport seven years ago, and I still haven't got it. You know, like let's put it that way. I actually forgot about it now because I have an Irish passport. But like that makes that that because you don't you don't have a new passport, you cannot get stamped, you cannot travel. You're going to put a new visa, so you cannot get out of the country. So uh, that was, like, really hard because, like, I had to put my career on hold. And and it was really hard because you have to do a lot of paperwork as well. You have to ask for permission somewhere else. So you lose a lot of time where you could be just focusing on other, other things, you know. Um, so I feel like that. That's why I feel like I feel right now that all these things happen and then COVID hit as well. So it's been like four years of my life that, that I, I was in trouble all the time. And now I feel so happy because I was like, I have all these things that, that I wanted to have, like a passport, like a house, like a, like a future husband. So I'm seriously how, so happy right how now. Did like, it, how did it feel when the passport, when the Irish passport finally came through and you were like, oh my God, how did it feel to get the passport? Ah, to be honest, I even get emotional thinking about it. It was just like my life is going to start again. Like, you know, it was just so, I was so happy. I was crying for like a day. I was like, I cannot believe it. And it's so good because not only that, like I have the opportunity now to bring my mom over. So like, there's lots of things that changes. And as well, my business, I, I was going to lose my business too. Like, you know, so yeah, no, it's why? incredible. Why? why? Because of COVID, you mean? Because if you cannot, if you cannot stay in Ireland, <laughs> like, you know, oh, you cannot course. be. Yeah. So, so I yeah. was actually going to, Actually, if my passport didn't arrive the time I arrived, I would have to leave Ireland. Yeah, so so imagine my wow. entire life would have gone to... So this is how I feel so bad for, for people, like, for example, like from non-Europeans from my country or even Ukraine or Russia. Like, there's so many things that people don't know about the situations that we have to go through that you take for granted. When I tell you, like, oh, yeah, so you lost your passport, you just go and get it in a week is back? what that's just crazy like you know and then when i talk to non-european people it's like oh we always talk like so how long you how long till your passport arrived oh i applied like three years ago oh i applied for five you know like that's like our conversations it's just so different you know um so yeah it's crazy like how we take for granted some things you know I know, and people, people here as well, like, they're like, oh, I booked Fast Track, but you still have to wait a week to get your passport. I'm like, we don't even realise how fucking amazing that is, really, to get a new passport <laughs> within a week. is crazy, isn't it? And um, yeah. you're getting married, so are you looking forward to living married life? Yeah, well, I'm just, I just love Neil so much, so I'm really, really lucky with having a first is hot. <laughs> Second, he has a big beep. Okay, a third. <laughs> no, is he hot? I haven't. So. I haven't noticed. <laughs> and then he's usually so such a nice guy. Like you know. And to be honest, I wouldn't have the career I have if it wasn't with me because so many things as you guys as, as you just explained went wrong. And then he was always there to go like, 
look, there's always a solution. We have to find a solution. I so it's great to have someone. Him. He's kind yeah, of like, it's great, funny. Like, when, when, you, when people like meet the two of you, I feel like you're the whirlwind and he's like the grounding force that kind of keeps you grounded. And like, that's what I really <laughs> yeah. like about Neil. He's just so chilled out. And it's funny because... I guess people maybe would find that really odd to see you with someone like that, but it's the same for me and Mitch. Like, I'm the whirlwind. I'm the one running around the countries doing all these workshops, mm. working 24 hours, all this stuff. And he's like the the grounded one who's got like a normal job. He's the one that kind of keeps me, holds me back a little bit. It's yeah. like, come on, let's remember what, well, what you know, I wouldn't what say, about. I wouldn't say Neil has a normal job, but like, well, oh, so no, for true, those that don't know, my fiance, my fiance is a prison officer. So uh, this is actually a kind of funny story, but like sometimes I come from the studio and I don't know, one girl, you know, had her period and said something, I don't know, whatever. So I just go, oh, Neil, I had a hard day, you know, uh, this girl just said this to me and she probably had her period. And then I just talked about it and I was like, okay, how was your day? Well, this guy tried to kill me, this guy, this, you know, and then did this and I just go, oh, I think your your life is a bit more interesting right now. <laughs> Yeah. So he has amazing then like, stories. Then you feel terrible that you've moaned about something you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm so. super excited to come to your wedding. Thank you for coming and finally doing this with me. Oh, I also need to pin you down and sort out dates for your online class of the Pole Destroyers. So I will be messaging you about that. But yeah, thank for you so sure, much for I'll coming on. It was lovely to talk to you. And um, no, I can't wait to see you me. at your wedding. Ah, it's so Mike, soon. come and say bye. Come on. <laughs> Mike is here. He wants to say bye. Come on. Mac. Mac is here. Oh, hi, Mac. Yeah. Come on. All the way up. Oh, God, All the way up. So Mac big. is always here. There. Hi, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to see you. Okay. See you, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, I'm always looking for new guests to come onto this show. So if you have a suggestion of anyone that you would love to have on the show, drop me a message, DM me on Instagram on at Dan Rosenpohl and let me know who you'd like to have next. Until next time. Bye. That was all the tea that you can get this week. Join me next.